Okay, so my name's Kim. I'm from People Are Wild, which is the podcast that people are listening to. I don't know why I always introduce myself, but I have a very special guest who is taking time out of her day, her night, whenever, you know, we are on the United States, I guess. We're separated by coast. But but she's taking time out of out of her busy life to to talk to me today. We're gonna do a couple of different things that I'll eventually edit and I'll edit this part out of me saying editing. Um, (laughs) so I'm going to let her introduce herself, give some background about who she is and yeah, we'll just go from there. This is so structured. Can you tell? So yeah, we're going to just roll into it. So I go by the name only. Some of you might know me from my Twitter account. I started a few years ago. It's called only in the ICU and I've been a critical care nurse for a little over six years. I just finished my degree. I just went back to school and got my master's and I'm done. I do plan to have a party at a bowling alley soon to celebrate. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Do you bring your own shoes though? No, I'm not. I'm not that into bowling, but who knows what my next obsession will be. I pr- it could be bowling. There's always that person that like you're having fun at a bowling alley with your friends and there's always somebody from like not necessarily your group of friends, but somebody who got invited, like third party, who comes in with their shoes and like their bag. And you're like, this guy, this guy is too much. It's always like some dude and it's cosmic bowling and he just takes it way too seriously. That person also probably doesn't even put their fingers inside of the holes of the bowling ball. Do you know what I'm talking about? They, have you seen anybody bowl that way? What? Oh, they can like hold yeah. it. They just hold it, yeah, right? They and then gnarly- they just launch it yeah, down. Yeah, they get like a gnarly spin on it. That's the person I know that has showed up with their own uh, bowling ball and bowling shoes. But they also have like two bowling balls because it's like, sometimes they feel like it's, (laughs) I think it's the weight thing, right? Like sometimes they're like, oh, I need to just knock down a pin. And then sometimes they're like, let's go for it. These are, yeah, these are split. So I got to use a different It's like, it's like alley cat strike where they got to do the the thing where um, she, she tests the wind and then she like does that thing with the ball and pushes it. Oh, so side note, sometimes I don't pick up on like mainstream references, pops like pop culture. It's an obscure Disney Channel original movie reference. No, but I I like legit grew up in a cult. And so sometimes pop culture is not obvious to me. So I'm kind of like an alien. Can we revisit that on a later (laughs) topic? Because I'm so leaving that in. We're revisiting that. But tonight we're recording this in the month of October. It's spooky season. And since we're both in healthcare, we're both nursing oriented. We both somehow got involved through hashtag nurse Twitter, which is a great hashtag. You should follow it. Maybe not this time of year because there's like a lot of gross, like racy, sexy nurse outfits I saw on the on the hashtag the other day. And I was like, that's that's a bit much. But it's a great resource if you're into social media to follow that hashtag and med Twitter. Connects you with a lot of people, clearly, because we're talking to each other and I'm rambling. But but since it is October and it is spooky season, I thought about doing haunted hospital stuff. And then I realized with Only in the ICU, she has chronicled a lot of stories that people have shared with their own hauntings and, and paranormal and spooky things that happen in healthcare. What prompted that actually? You know, I like really like paranormal stuff. I wouldn't say I'm like a diehard believer, but I just love paranormal stuff. I used to host like a paranormal craft night with my sister. Oh my God, that's amazing. 
Yeah, we'd have like a theme. Like we had a Bigfoot theme. We had a Scientology theme. I like how Scientology yeah, is part totally. of paranormal. <laughs> um, spontaneous combustion. So like we'd have different themes. Wait, what would you craft for spontaneous combustion? Let me tell you. So we'd have like a corresponding craft. So spontaneous combustion, what we made were these tiny little camp stoves out of a soda can. So it was like aluminum can and you can like cut part of the middle part out and then you sit the top into the bottom and you poke little holes all around the outside lid and then you fill it up with some kind of I don't know if it was I don't know what it was some accelerant and then you light on fire and it makes like a tiny little camp stove and we cooked s'mores around them <laughs> that sounds magical we had a lot of people would come share their paranormal stories and we had a whole blog about it and I just have always been very interested in weird stories and I was just looking at all the old threads that I started about haunted hospitals and I think it was three years ago I was just like whoa people must have crazy ghost stories in the hospital and the thread took off and it was so spooky and I love restarting it every year and I think the craziest thing about it is just there's so many similar stories that I mean it's hard not to believe when you have so so many people saying the same thing in different locations, like something's going on, right? Or they like see something and like you said, they're separated by miles and they're sharing like similar things that they saw or experienced. <laughs> Sorry, that's my dog. I love it. That's He must see a ghost. I was gonna say, I was like, he's into it. That's a paranormal dog. <laughs> Is that Scooby-Doo? Yes, um, I actually have uh, a Scooby-Doo dog and we're fighting evil and ghosts at nighttime. Zoinks. He's doing the quiet bark. He's going, hoo, hoo. There's ghosts here, but I don't want to disturb you guys. I just want to let you guys know that there's ghosts here. Okay. We decided to game plan something this year with haunted hospitals and just like these spooky stories that people shared. But then in doing so, you are the one who actually found out there's a show on like the Travel Channel called Haunted Hospitals. Somebody tweeted at me, so I should give them credit. They're like, oh, there's this Haunted Hospitals uh, show on the Travel Channel. I wonder if only in the ICU knows about it because people know that I love Haunted Hospital stories. I don't know if it's on any kind of like free or paid subscription service. So I just, I did spend $25 on iTunes to buy it. And it's definitely been worth it. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> and we both watched the first episode. So what we're going to do with this part in celebrating hauntings and spookiness in the hospital and healthcare, we're going to do a recap together. And I'm actually going to properly recap an episode. I know I've tried to recap things before and I get distracted within my own recap. But I actually took notes and I have I have some sort of structure to it on top of my pithy comments. So, and I know you also have some comments because that first episode was wild. I have a lot of questions and comments. Yes, yes, we both do. So, you know, welcome to People Are Wild. We're going to talk about some wild shit that goes on thanks to Travel Channel. I have to ask you, because you've watched more than one, are there always multiple stories in every episode? Yes, I think there's at least two or three in each episode. Okay, so our first episode, the first episode is called Dead Man Rotting. That's the name of the episode. And there's three stories and I didn't actually realize there were three stories so the first story when it ended I was like what we have like 21 minutes left what's going on right now <laughs> so so there are three stories in the first episode and I think the first thing I wrote on my notes was oh this is from the travel channel 
the home of the king fraudster himself, Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures Infamy. What a bullshitter. So apparently I was already going through some feelings about Zach Baggins and his bag of tricks and lies. I think I'm still mad at him because he had a museum in Vegas that he makes money off of that's completely full of fake shit. That's a hot take, but not really. It's fun to go to if you're just like, all right, Ghost Adventures, because all he does is hang out at the house, apparently, when he's not shooting. And my other note was that I love actors that are reenactors. Just want to put that out there. (laughs) There's a lot of reenactments in this, and a lot of the reenactors don't look like the people telling the story. But then I thought to myself, some of the people telling the stories look a little bit too rehearsed. So I'm not quite sure if those are the actual people who had the stories. Oh, I could tell that they tried, they tried to like make the people, they'd have some identifying feature that was kind of the same. Like in one of the episodes, it's just the ladies' glasses are the same. But I don't know. Sometimes the people that are telling their stories, they seem like really emotional. And so I kind of believe them. Or maybe they're act. I mean, they're actors. I don't know. But either way, I mean, I got sucked into it. I was like, I don't care if this is the real person or if this is like an actor telling the real person's story. I'm kind of into it. The first episode opens up with the first story in a hospital. That's the other thing too, is like, they're not necessarily too specific. And I think some of it might be for the sake of HIPAA, which is totally fine. But I also think that's, that's a common thread in urban legends is just enough details, but also being like just enough vague that people believe it. That's like textbook out of the movie Urban Legend it talks about, right? Like somebody says, oh, I heard it from my friend who heard it from a friend who, you know, whatever. You want to feel like it could have happened in your own hospital. Right. So somebody could be like, oh my gosh, I totally have a friend who worked with this one guy who said that he saw this thing at night and it's totally real. Even though you've never met the person or whatever, you feel like, yeah, that could totally happen. And that's like a big thing, part of like storytelling and urban legends and paranormal is being just enough detail oriented, but just enough vague with certain things that, you know, you don't question it too much unless you're us, because we're going to question a lot of things. Yeah. So the first episode, the first story, it opens up at a hospital in Fulton County, New York. And our main two narrators for this one are a married couple who are at the time boyfriend and girlfriend. And they are Garrett and Garrett Foch, I think is his last name, and Maria Weaver. They're CNAs, they're nursing assistants, and they're working in this rural area hospital on a medical surgical unit, which I was like, okay, that's fine. And then <laughs> Well, I'll try and stop myself because I'm like, medical surgery, you, okay. So they're they're young, they're in love. Like I said, they get married later on. Clearly. Yeah, clearly. Some, some of the reenactors, I can't knock reenactors because, I mean, I know they only get a small frame of time to, to get to know things and then like put it on film and stuff. So they, they had to act very lovey-dovey, but they also could have met each other like 30 minutes before they shot. Uh, Are you lovey-dovey? I think there's like one scene where they're holding hands, walking through the hospital and their orientation. Hospital orientation. Who does this? (laughs) Who takes like, you know what, dear? I want to take a nice, lovely stroll with you on our hospital orientation past these patient rooms. Sounds so romantic, right? Yeah, I know an appropriate time for public display of affection. Uh, My first day on the job. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, "Mm, I get what you're trying to go for, Travel Channel, but... No, that's almost as bad as when you like go into the supply room and you could totally tell somebody was making out, which has never happened, right? No. Wow. Does that happen? I felt like it doesn't. Not in the supply room. Usually the only time that, this is an aside, the only time that I've ever caught anybody in the act was in a stairwell and they were like making out and I was just like, oh, that's where you are. Okay. And then I just walked out. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I was just like, well, that's your burden. I don't know. Whatever. One of you's married. The other one's not. Bye. Yeah, there is some drama. There's that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother episode. So they they introduce us to them. There there's a couple. They're starting. They said that they were basically. It sounds like fresh out of school. Um, starting on their first hospital job. I think is what they said. And a medical surgical, awesome, great unit. Love to the floor nurses for real. Like this is me being genuinely like honest and sincere. Floor nurses, I can't do your job. And and definitely. CNAs are the unsung heroes that need a little bit more recognition on a daily basis for real. So then it tells us about how Maria works in medical records as a CNA. And I got so confused because how does a nursing assistant work in medical records? Does she have some more training on like coding and filing? Because maybe I'm ignorant, but I'm pretty sure it's not how it works. Yeah, I feel like doesn't don't some nurses need her help on the floor? Why is she in the basement in the medical records room? And they make a big deal of it too. They're like, yes, she was in the filing room, in the medical records room, in a dark office that was super cold throughout the year. And I was like, well, maybe if she actually was on the med surge unit where she was employed to work, what? Why is she in medical records? Also, why is it dark? You could it's even though it's nighttime, you could turn a light on. Like I don't, I had questions about why it's so. Dark. Yeah, and hospitals are hospitals have lights like i don't know it's she works there she works in this office it's not like she just pops in there and goes oh let me go and grab something real quick in my notes i wrote dark medical record room fall risk exactly yes she needs a yellow band on she needs yellow socks because i'm concerned about maria's health she says it's super cold she needs a warm blanket perhaps a turkey sandwich i'm not sure but we need to watch out for maria hashtag how do you solve a problem like Maria? And then it cuts to this paranormal investigator slash author, Richard Estep. And I got so confused by his accent. I didn't know if it was British or fake or Madonna. I was so confused. It was like somebody who was slowly phasing out their British accent, but then also forgot mid-sentence how to do a British accent and then overcompensated at certain words. So he goes on to tell all of us that the human body is often the first detector of paranormal activity with feeling that super coldness and having goose goosebumps as a, as a response to our system. What is that? The papillary response, right? He doesn't say that. I put that in my notes because I wanted to show off. He called it goose flesh. Yes. Goose flesh. Which I thought was weird. Geese have feathers, bro. You're going to grow some feathers if you start getting really, really haunted. The goosebumps will turn into feathers and then you could fly away from wherever you're at. So then we go back to the story and Garrett picks up and says he's working one night when he goes by a room that sounds like there's heavy static from a TV that's been left on, he goes into the room and he tries to turn off the TV with the remote. He tries to go to the TV and turn it off on a power button, but it's still on. So then he decides to unplug the whole thing and the TV turns off. And as he goes to leave the room, the unplugged TV turns itself back on. So then it just abruptly jumps over to Maria. We're just going to leave that there. All right, cool. So Maria still in the medical records filing room as a CNA does. And then I thought to myself, well, maybe she's a medical assistant and a CNA. So maybe she has dual mm -hmm. training and that's why True. she can work there. Maybe. And if it's a smaller hospital, maybe they don't need her on one respect, but then they were like, okay, well you're here. So just go to the medical records room. Cause it sounds like she didn't go there like often, but she would sometimes have to work there. Maybe she got floated to the medical records room. 
wouldn't that be awful? You got to work and they're like, oh, we're a little bit overstaffed. We don't quite need you, but why don't you float over to the medical records room? I'd be like, what? But if she's a medical assistant, I guess she's just like, okay, sounds good. I'll see you guys later. I'll have my boy Sarah on me if you guys need me. Also bring a light bulb. Yeah, and if you need a break, the demon will break you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, could somebody take my 30 minutes? I I need to go get possessed. So, But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, um, so she says that while she's in there, she keeps feeling that coldness, unfriendly presence in this medical records room. And then I did write my notes for some reason when she was describing it. I said, are these people telling the stories or are they actually paid actors? I don't know why, but I guess Maria's delivery, I decided to be very much like Gordon Ramsay and be very sarcastic. So I apologize to Maria if she's listening to this. If wait, if Maria and Garrett are listening to this, I want, I need, I need answers. Call me. Don't call me. Email me. I, I have I have questions. Also, add on to my uh, Twitter thread, please. Yes, yes. We're going to post links to all this. Um, So, uh, especially the thread, because we'll get to it. So, Maria says that she sees a shadow form before it suddenly goes away because it's so dark. She doesn't really pay it any mind. She might think it's just, you know, the light playing tricks on her. But she is freaked out because she's still feeling that unfriendly presence. But she doesn't want to share with any of her coworkers what she saw because she doesn't want to be seen as crazy. So I guess it's like me when I was telling you before we recorded about how I wanted to fake an accent before every assignment, but I couldn't commit to it. So then they'd think I was crazy and be like, that girl talks like a Southern belle and she's from Arizona. Like there is something wrong with her. Maybe that's what that paranormal investigator is trying to do with every episode. Maybe in episode two, he has an Australian accent. Stay tuned, right? Yeah. That'll work. This is free advertising for the Travel Channel, by the way. We want <laughs> answers, Travel Channel. We want extra bonus footage as a result of free press we're giving it. So she shares with Garrett that she has concerns about where she's working and she's been feeling this presence for quite some time. And then Garrett says that he's also been concerned and, and a little bit fearful because there are weird things happening to him while he's working on the unit as well. So Maria goes into work one night and she goes by a hall that has pictures of what looks like like a board of directors as what I got from it. So a bunch of old men that are just staring at you, I guess. And she notices one picture of a guy and it has glowing red eyes. And I wrote in here, this looks like the end of Michael Jackson's thriller. <laughs> when uh, he turns to the camera and his eyes get like all like yellow or whatever. That's basically what it looked like. Like somebody put that effect on there. I think it was the CFO of the hospital and he sold his uh, soul to the devil. I think I agree with that because <laughs> the other funny thing too is that they cut to this picture of the guy with the red eyes and then you hear a howl. I'm pretty sure they were clearly watching their Thriller music video because that's what happens at the end of Thriller too is like you hear like the, the howl when he turns to the camera. And I was like, okay, you're not slick travel channel. I got you. I also agree with the CFO thing. He sold his soul to the devil for real. You do what you gotta do, I guess. So the couple that tells the story is telling the story, but there's also a narrator on top of that to kind of just make sure that, you know, there's a flow and pacing and structure to, to these episodes, unlike my recap. And so the narrator calls out Maria, I said, I wrote in here, I was like, did the narrator just like call her out? Because... He said in his narration that Maria ignores ominous warning signs before continuing into the filing room. And I was like, that's a little harsh. All right, narration, you didn't have to go there. You didn't have to cast judgment, but 
but they went there. And Maria goes into the filing room and she sees a dark shape emerge from the shadows. Maria just feels like that increasing sense of like foreboding from this presence. And then we go back to our paranormal, maybe British investigator with his vague accent, who says spiritual beings who become present in our world pose a problem to the living. So then Maria cuts back and says that she felt this hand on her throat from behind, like somebody was coming behind her and putting their hand on her throat. And then she says this quote that I just, I didn't understand. She said that the person was quote, just trying their hardest to make it hard. I replayed that several times. And then I think, did she also say something about poking the beast? Yes. Okay. You got a screen grab of it about how she had poked the beast like in the cage and now she had to deal with the consequences. (laughs) I also am concerned that there really was just like some creepy person in the basement with her and it was dark. So she just couldn't see. And like, she legit was getting choked from behind. Like, I think it might've been a person. Yeah, exactly. Like that could have been some, somebody who got lost um, from a memory loss unit in their hospital (laughs) and was reacting in a self-defensive manner thinking, you know, their reality was distorted or something. And they're just trying to defend something. And Maria's like, it was a ghost. It was a demon. That's what got me. She doesn't Mm -hmm. talk like that, but I I mean, I just, what is that? Can we go back to that quote? Just trying their hardest to make it hard. Yeah. Like he was choking me and he was just trying his hardest. Yeah. What? What does that mean? I put hard, hard, what hard to breathe, hard to see. What are we talking about? Maria? I, I don't know. So then Maria's being choked by this, malevolent force and she decides to channel her inner freddie mercury and queen and she wants to break free which she does and runs from the filing room she's terrified and she recounts that she got the fuck out of there before driving home but they bleeped the f word and that was when i was like okay maybe she is a little bit more genuine and not an actor because i was like eh, that might be like her actually telling the narration but then i had issues because the guy who's asking the questions off off screen, like the producer, I don't know. I feel like that guy was weird. Like, he's just like, so what did you do next? Like, <laughs> like who talks to somebody like that? So you just got choked and you drove home in a very, like, unsafe uh, state. So what happened next? The other thing, too, I have questions is that she just goes, like, she just runs out of work. Did she call her supervisor? Did she alert anybody else in the unit? Did anybody care about Maria? Is it patient abandonment? It's chart chart abandonment. That's right. She left. That's a is that a HIPAA violation if she left these charts out without properly putting them away? Yes. I, I had a lot of questions and I was like, oh, she definitely got fired. She must have gotten fired then. She she left her job like in the middle of the night and ran out of there and didn't call anyone. But apparently she didn't. So she starts to question her sanity when she gets home. And she then realizes that this presence that she felt in the room, she was feeling in her own home. And she says, doesn't she say something about how it followed me home or, or something to that effect where she basically tries to audition for the sequel to it follows. And she's, she's just like, like you said, she had poked the, the beast and now, now it had followed her back home. Yeah. I poked the beast in the cage and now I'm paying for it. Do you think they wrote their own narration out? I think their interviews maybe were not, super rehearsed we should look them up and see if they act in other stuff oh like an imdb yes we'll get to the bottom of this everyone who's listening aka my dad so richie rich our paranormal investigator explains spirits do this because humans are a potential source of free energy and then i wrote in my notes 
spirits basically want to tap that human ass. I have a note about the demon following her home is that uh, we already have to worry about like bacteria, like following his home, resistant bacteria like MRSA and VRE and all these crazy things. But now we have to worry about demons following us at home. Like this is too much. Yeah. Is there a bleach wipe for that? <laughs> I put my work shoes in a patient belonging bag and keep them away from everywhere else in my like realm. Where do I put, does a demon fit in a patient belonging bag or two? You wipe yourself down when you get home with both chlorhexidine wipes and holy water. <laughs> oh yes. There you go. There you go. That's exactly what you have to do. And then like, <laughs> You have to put a crystal on top of you too, just to just to make sure, just to make sure at the end. That's a triple threat. It's a triple threat. That's right. I'm really not going to get the flu now. And some essential oils just for good luck. So Maria is unsure how to tell Garrett that she's now in an open relationship with the spirit and Garrett. That is until she no longer has to because Garrett starts to see the dark shadows in their home. He felt fearful and our resident paranormal investigator reminds us that spirits love to feed on human fear because, quote, it's like blood and water to a shark. And I didn't realize that demons are so aggressive with really feeding on our fear. Hmm. I was a little bit shook. But just as quickly as Garrett starts to see this darkness in their home, it goes away. It vanishes. And so, again, Maria feels that guilt for provoking it. And then we get to them going to sleep, which, I mean, if you're that terrified do you really go to sleep? So I was like, maybe they took a lot of sleeping pills and drank a lot because it sounds like they were scared out of their minds. And then it cuts to them just peacefully sleeping. I have suspicion. <laughs> I think that maybe maybe somebody took a couple of Ambien and, and chased it with uh, a cocktail because I, I don't know. I was like, I don't think you'd be sleeping that peacefully. But Garrett says that this presence actually starts to enter his dreams and in his dreams, or I guess really his nightmares, the presence says it's going to kill him. So Garrett is terrified. He wakes up totally just fearful, out of his mind, terrified. And I wrote in here, is this presence actually Freddy Krueger? When he's awake, he's terrified. And when he goes to sleep, he's terrified. So is this Freddy Krueger? Perhaps. So then the couple realizes that they need to get rid of this spirit, this demon. And then my favorite part of this whole story is basically started. Uh, yes, I agree. I agree. I think I was just getting home or something. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to watch it. And you you were just like, let me just share with you a few of these screen grabs, just, just so that you know what you're getting into, basically. And, and it was at this part, and I went, oh my god, this is going to be fantastic. And it was. Maria contacts an exorcist through her friend, which led me to realize that none of my friends know an exorcist, and I'm distressed by this news I could be in a situation where a patient puts a curse on me and I will have no one around me in my circle of friends who can help me out. And I'm kind of disappointed in most, if not all of my friends for not knowing an exorcist. I texted one of my friends actually. And I was like, do you guys know an exorcist? And they thought it was funny. And I was like, wow, that's a little rude. I want to be able to have a friend who goes, yeah, absolutely. What you need. Yeah. You got to widen that, that friend circle. It's, it's totally apparent now. I'm like, I have been, I've been living a life with second rate friends. So Maria's exorcist friend is out of state. So she calls Maria to consult over the phone. And I wrote my notes. Am I about to see an over the phone exorcism? The answer is yes. You bet your ass. We, we are about to see an over the phone exorcism. So Maria puts her friend on speakerphone and her friend is commanding the spirit to leave. And this, the reenactment 
I'm not doing it justice. The reenactment is one of the best things of the whole entire episode. So she she's holding her phone up in her house while her friend is saying things like, you know, from the exorcist about commanding the, the demon to leave. And I was like, God, I wonder what phone plan she has because that would be so embarrassing in the middle of an exorcism if the call just gets dropped. Like, what is that demon gonna do? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Do you have to go on like a Wi-Fi just to make sure that, you know, you, you don't drop that that network? We have questions. Yeah. <laughs> While their friend is talking through their T-Mobile, perhaps. No, it's not T-Mobile. What plan do you think they had? They had to have AT&T. AT&T covers you for exorcisms and international travel, right? Yeah, I think AT&T. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> good call. <laughs> so while this is going on, wait, do they charge? I wonder if her friend charged her because it was a friend of a friend. Yeah, I bet she had to Venmo her some cash. I wonder what the emoji was. The devil. Oh, the devil, a skull, and like the money with the wings. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, clearly there's an exorcism going on on that one. Garrett is saging their house in the most unenthusiastic way I've ever seen anyone sage anything in my whole entire life. Yes. It's like the reenactor, like the actor didn't know what to do. His stage direction was Garrett sages the house. And he just was like, I don't know what to do with this information. Can anybody give me direction? They're like, no, just sage the house, man. Just, just do it. Right. And he was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got this guys. Cause he, he has no, he does not, he does not got this. He doesn't know what he's doing. He like stays in a corner and just like kind of waves it around. And that's about it. That's it for the saging. It's just in this one part, maybe. Maybe that's where he feels it. So then they start to feel resistance from the Force, uh, like it's Star Wars. And the Presence is trying to possess their house more than a bank after sending foreclosure notices. So this this demon really wants the house. It said they were in a full-on spiritual battle. And I went, really? While your friend's over the phone giving an exorcism, you're like, this is this is a battle for our lives. I don't think so. But it does end with the darkness with the demon leaving their home. And they said that they feel this great weight lifted from them. They feel like they can breathe again. So they go back to work at the hospital the next day, which I was like, why wouldn't you take a sick day? But then I realized, wait a second, I get it. I mean, a lot of us have gone into work sick. I'm sure that if I just had an exorcism in my house and then I looked at my schedule, I was like, shit, I have to be at work in like four hours. I would still be like, all right, whatever. I'll just shove that somewhere in my mind. I'll compartmentalize and I'll go to work. They probably didn't have any PTO yet because they just started. They were new. Exactly. I was like, oh, that insurance didn't kick in. They can't take a sick day. Mm-mm, yep. I get it. I get it. Like I said, I've gone into work with the flu full blown a couple times. So exorcism flu, same thing. Did you think that Garrett wore a mask because he was like, I just don't want to take any chances of this demon coming into my body? Just in case he breathed breathed out the demon or what? No, maybe he would breathe (laughs) it in. He'd be like, wait, maybe it's demon buddies would possess him. I thought maybe he thought he was contagious after it. Is there a test for this, you guys? I know there's tests for STDs and other diseases, but how do I know if a demon has completely exited my system? Am I still contagious? Is there an incubation period for this? <laughs> Can we consult infectious disease real quick? And the exorcist that we had over the phone, we need her back on the line. So they get back to the hospital, they work the next day. They're feeling better. They're feeling like they're walking on sunshine, I guess. Uh, but then guess who's back? It's it's not Eminem, but it's the spirit. It goes back to the hospital and we give this, I think it said, uh, I think Richard said that the spirits tend to go back to their home uh, after they've, I guess, unsuccessfully tried to possess people's houses and and their souls they're just like all right good game i'm gonna just go back home so maria gets floated over to the medical records room again and she she feels the presence 
And then the narrator says, she's come up with a great strategy for, for coping with this presence. Maria ignores it. And I went, that's it? That's her strategy? <laughs> she just ignores the entity. Like it's an ex-boyfriend sending you a, hey, what are you doing text at 2 a.m.? So she ignores that entity. Um, and then ultimately the couple quits the hospital. They move out of state to pursue their dream of living in Maine. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, you could have a lot of dreams. That's totally fine. But I just thought it was so funny how it was worded when they're like to pursue their dream of living in Maine. You could tell it was clearly a life goal, like that they had written down on a vision board, the way that they were talking about it. And they secreted that out into the universe, but they forgot about secreting also not being possessed by demons, which now I'm adding to my vision board as a standalone, always there, like an everlasting thing. Kind of like, also, just want to make sure, not going to be abducted by aliens, not possessed by demons. Good night, good luck, amen. So ultimately, they quit the hospital, they move to Maine, they get married, and it says in there that they work in pediatrics, which I found really awesome, because that's that's pretty cool. But hopefully, there's no demonic forces in pediatric healthcare, because that would be terrifying. It also cuts back and it does this weird thing at the end, because they could have just easily left it there. But it also says the staff that's left at the hospital that they left still feels like the entity lurks about in the filing room. So I'm like, well, then don't go in the filing room, just convert it to a a computer and then be done with it. So that's our first story. Anything I missed? My last note was consults exorcist out of state. So you you already uh, clearly addressed that. That was one of my (laughs) main... Topic. I wonder how that conversation came about, too. Who did she ask? Yeah, how did she broach that topic? Hey, we've been having some demonic forces in our house. Do you know how we can get rid of them? And her friend's like, absolutely. I got a friend who's an exorcist. I'll give you their number. It'll be fine. Make sure you got some sage. and Make sure it's the good sage and not some, like, second string Bush League shit. So uh, that's how I imagine it went down in my head. Um, but maybe not. I bet it's somebody like... It has to be somebody like super Catholic she knew, right? It has to be somebody who's definitely like religious based because I don't know why I did this, but a while ago I looked up something for some Catholic diocese parish. And you're right. There is actually, if you, if you do enough digging, there's a priest that does have like the title of, at least it was in this one parish of like the, he he had some position in the church and then on, it, said it had a slash exorcist. And I was like, what? So I guess there are some um, priests who who do have the qualification or qualifier of being an exorcist in uh, some some diocese. And I was like, well, that's an interesting one. Do you just contact them over the phone? And you're just like, hey, I'm looking for an exorcist. It has to be a friend of a friend. So the second story is entitled Angel of Death. And we meet Eileen Perfett who is an LPN, a licensed practical nurse, who works at a SNF, a skilled nursing facility in Ohio. And we kind of shoot through her exposition, but I picked up that she used to work on an ambulance before becoming a nurse. She's extremely close with her family. They call each other constantly, including at work, which I always found that kind of odd when people field family phone calls at work on the work phones. I I get now with cell phones, you could shoot a message off real quick. Or if somebody's like, Hey, I got to go call somebody. That's fine. But I always found it odd when people have full on like normal conversations on a work phone, on a landline with their family members. And they're like boring shit. So are you able to go pick up some dinner on the way home? Um, Did you schedule Bobby's appointment? This could be in a text message. Why are you actually calling somebody? And then 
also not charting and not signing off on my insulin. I have anger towards you. I guess people now do that stuff. I'm not saying that's based on true events. <laughs> it's happened to all of us. I bet people do all that stuff on their cell phones now. We just don't know it. Right. And I mean, we don't have any context about when these events happened, per se. Like, they don't tell us the years. But it's safe to assume it's before the advent of cell phones for some of them. Uh, although the first story, clearly, you know, if she had her over the phone, like, they show... They show Maria holding her phone up, like trying to, you know, scry for the demon and be like, hang on, can it hear me over here? Can it hear me over here? Let me put my arm up a little bit higher. Maybe it'll get three more bars. But in this one, yeah, she's, she got called at work. And, and that's my thing too, is like when people call you at work, I usually feel like it's like something bad. I mean, I get people talking on the phone about life and stuff because in this, Eileen gets called at work and she gets told that her aunt had surgery to remove was it a tumor around her heart? Well, I missed that part. I felt like she didn't know what was going on with her. I, I maybe just missed it. Yeah, she said the only thing I wrote was that her aunt had surgery and that everyone turned to Eileen for guidance as she flew to stay at her aunt's bedside. I was kind of struck by that because either Eileen had a really like good relationship with everybody she worked with that she could fly home to be with her aunt, who isn't necessarily immediate family. So they had just picked up her shifts or she had just had like a lot of PTO. Maybe there was some foreshadowing and I just missed it because uh, this is kind of jumping ahead. But later on, I was really confused because it said she said something like, oh, just by looking at her, I felt like she had cancer and it had spread to her whole body. And I was like, what? Because I, th- I felt like they hadn't said at all what her condition was. And I was like, wouldn't you have talked to somebody and found out what she was diagnosed with. It was really weird. So if she did have a tumor removed, that makes a lot more sense why she would then assume it was cancer and maybe it had metastasized. So she flies over, she stays at her aunt's bedside. And then she said she feels odd as she heads to see her her aunt in the hospital, but she kind of shakes off this weird feeling and visits her by bringing fresh flowers. She's clearly not in the ICU if she's bringing her fresh flowers to her room. I had a lot of questions about her nursing judgment throughout this episode. Me too. We're going to break that down. So while visiting, Eileen notices a sudden temperature change and it gets super cold, which again, we, I guess, have learned or established at this point in the episode that if things get super cold, that definitely means that there's a demon or some spirit that's about to come in. Now I could say that in the ER every time people go, wow, it's so cold in here. I'll be like, yeah, it's all the demons. And then just walk out of the room. Do you think that'll go over well? I think it would. It makes sense because of all the death there. But I, I don't know if it was that first episode or later on, they explained why it gets cold. Is that um, like ghosts, they like suck energy from the environment. And so they're sucking the heat from the environment and using that to like do spooky stuff. And then that's why it gets cold. Oh, then I'm totally telling that to patients. Mm-hmm. be like wow why is it only why is it super cold over here but it's warm over there i'll be like oh because there's a lot of demons around this part of the department but not so much in your room <laughs> would you like a blanket and they're just like no no i'm good during the time that eileen is visiting her aunt she notices that her aunt has these horrible coughing episodes i wrote my notes during this time she has horrible coughing episodes that eileen now diagnoses as cancer okay my notes about the cough were Oh, she had these really bad coughing spells where she couldn't catch her breath. So I immediately went and got her a glass of water. I was like, that is not how that works. Like, that is completely opposite of what a nurse would do. 
when somebody's coughing. You know, you might aspirate on your own spit, but why don't I just get you some water? Yeah, she's like, and I get, I gave her some water, and then she calmed down. I'm like, yeah, she's probably unconscious because now she's hypoxic. Like, exactly, she swallowed that back into her lung. Good job, Eileen. So then Eileen sees a shadow at the head of the bed that looks like, well, I said it looks like a Jedi because. The shadowy presence has a hoodie of some sort pulled over their head. Eileen gets the creeps from this presence and runs out of her aunt's room into the doorway where she then peers into the room and sees this figure over her aunt's bed and the figure appears to have wings. That's a lot to take in. I think I made a comment about this or I was watching it when my husband was in the room and he's like, yeah, it's the angel of death. Like he said it so matter-of-factly, like it just made complete sense. Duh, it's the angel of death. I was like, oh. <laughs> Who else is going to stand over your aunt's bed uh, with wings? Is it just like a, an angel that's just gotten lost? And it's like, sorry, I was on my way to an exorcism over in New York and I got kind of sidetracked. Can you guys give me some GPS real quick? I'm not the angel of death though. No, that's my friend but I just need directions to this exorcism. Like, is that what that angel was doing? Was just like, hey, where's my girl Eileen at? She knows where cancer is and she knows what to do when people are coughing and I just need to talk to you real quick. So the episode cuts to our, our paranormal person for this part and that's Morgan Knudsen, who is a paranormal researcher. And I said, wow, I wasted a lot of time in college when I could have been a paranormal researcher. And she talks about these winged creatures that are angels. And then I wrote in there, God, Robbie Williams really did a good job with that song angels but jessica simpson did a better cover and i hope nobody comes for me because of that hot take but it's just it's it's my opinion so eileen asked the entity what it wants like she's a teenager and her mother just barged into her room without knocking like the way that eileen says like what do you want like <laughs> i was like are you mad eileen like what's going on here I don't know why, but her tone of voice was just weird. The angel points out that he's here for Eileen's aunt. So this angel reaches out and puts its hands on her aunt's head. And then her aunt stops coughing. So Eileen's still in the doorway and asks the creature, who are you? And the angel responds, you should know who I am. It's like a celebrity. Who was the latest? There was a celebrity that got arrested or something fairly recently who, oh, Stacey Dash or something got arrested and like on the body cam, she, she talks about, she talks to the cop like, don't you guys know who I am? I was in the movie Clueless. And I was like, I don't think those cops might've been alive when you were in that movie. <laughs> so, so the angel says, you know who I am. And then we jump back to Eileen needing surgery in the past. This was a while ago. And she's greeted in this recovery room by a winged creature who says it's her time. And Eileen responds, new soul, who this? And he says, it's still her time. So she asks, before you take me, can I see my family first? So she has this out-of-body experience in the hospital where she walks out of the hospital room and follows the angel through some sort of portal that takes her back to her house. She checks on her family and goes room to room. And then she's able to go back through this portal, back to her hospital bed. And suddenly the creature just leaves and Eileen regains consciousness in the land of the living, and she knows that it wasn't her time. So then we come back to Eileen being in the doorway, peering in and seeing the angel of death. She's putting together the pieces at this point after she recognizes this winged creature at her aunt's bedside, and the creature then confirms that he is Azriel, aka the angel of death. 
I just like how they cut it or something about how she's like peering in and then all of a sudden he appears to her and is like, I am Asriel. I was like, okay, you go by one name and we're supposed to know who you are. Yeah, I had to just Wikipedia that guy. Right. I was like, Asriel, what are you from Charmed? Morgan then talks about how there are multiple stories of the Grim Reaper and, you know, we call Angel Death, Grim Reaper, whatever, and how they take the soul away from a human. So Eileen talks about how the angels seem to be scary initially, but also seem to have compassion and helping her aunt pass over to the other side peacefully. But just as she's kind of coming to terms with this, Azrael disappears after saying her aunt will pass peacefully. And in the next moments, he fades away. And so does her aunt. So she dies. And then Eileen is unnerved because the angel said to her that they'll meet again. Which I'm like, Eileen, why are you unnerved? We all die. You can't be unnerved by that. Plus, this will be the third time you've met Asriel. He's going to come back at the end of your life and be like, hey, girl, this time it's for real. You ready? <laughs> You'll be like, let's go. I've seen you three times. This is it. All right. I'm good. I already talked to my family first. I feel disappointed that he didn't give her like some mission. And that's why it wasn't her time. You know, this could have been the start of a really cool spinoff episode or something where he's like, listen, I know you can see me. You're one of the only people on earth that's seen me twice and has lived to tell about it. So let me go ahead and give you like a some some abilities here to help me out with with kind of making people more at ease about death. Like mm-hmm. she might've been a really great uh, palliative care nurse. Maybe she works there. She's, she does work at a sniff. So maybe she, she has a better sense of like comfort care stuff for people or talks to families or patients a little bit differently now about end of life. I don't know. Maybe she's walked away with a good experience. She seemed really calm about the whole idea of seeing the angel of death, I guess, cause she'd seen him before. Cause did you notice during the episode, she never even like, called for a second person to come in the room. Yeah, that's my thing is that, you know, you're a nurse to an extent. At some point, you're like also very human in your reactions. And if some some big old winged creature is over your aunt's bed, wouldn't you yell out and like kind of scream and be like, oh my God, what is going on? Somebody get in here. I need help. I need help. You would think that that would kick in or I would have that reaction. I, I would think if somebody was, somebody I know was all of a sudden just like attacked or looked in distress but then again she gave water when somebody coughed so i don't know what her nursing judgment she probably doesn't ask for a cosign on anything so no she's like i'm gonna just ride this one out i'll just wing it (laughs) i'm gonna just go for it eileen i'm sure you're a delightful person hopefully maybe you approach things a little bit differently with giving water to patients that that are coughing that's our big hang up i guess that was my main hang up on the episode definitely any other things i missed before we go to our last one no let's What's the last story again? I forget. Okay, so the last one, with like eight minutes left, I was like, what is this show going to do? Is the dead man rotting. So it's the namesake. And it's probably like our favorite one. Oh my god. This is my favorite. Yep, this episode. mm -hmm. There's, okay. I have to calm myself down. Okay, so we open up with, and they make a point of this. They didn't need to. Screenwriter Noah Evslin and his wife are visiting his grandmother and stop to sleep overnight. Why do we need to know he's a screenwriter? That applies to nothing else in the story. And wasn't his, and then he's like, oh, and my grandmother was also a writer. Oh, right. That's right. He came from a long line of writers, including his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And then I put in there and maybe himself when he's creating this fanciful tale. Wait, can I, can you tell me his name again? Noah Evslin. 
Are you looking him up? I'm going to look him up while you talk. Efslin, like with an M, you think? No, it's E-V-S-L-I-N. I stopped to make sure. I already found him. Keep talking and I'll tell you about his IMDb. So the way that the the reenactment's going, I th- initially thought that when they pulled up in their car to stay overnight, that they were just like pulling up to either a family home or like a hotel or something or, or air be- um, a bed and breakfast. I was about to say an Airbnb, but I don't think it existed then. So I thought, okay, like they're staying in like a little quaint whatever. And then they throw this this curveball at us. They say he ended up staying in the nursing home as they have empty rooms for family members to sleep in. And I went, what? That seems far-fetched. I've never heard about that before in my life. Have you? Nope, definitely not. I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen, but okay, Noah. So then they go to sleep in the nursing home and Noah wakes up to a horrible odor in the room. And he says, (laughs) it smelled like burning onions. It burned my eyes, he said. He says it's the worst odor ever. And I went, are burning onions really the worst odor ever? Like, also, yeah, you're in a nursing home. Like, it's probably C. diff, probably VRE or Pseudomonas. It's definitely Pseudomonas. That smells terrible. There we go. That's what I was thinking of. Yep. And, and, and like, mm-hmm. the, the ever-permeating scent of, like, chronic UTI is just, like, that, that light, nice little tinge of ammonia is probably what's burning those eyes. So then he goes on to morph from burning onions to saying that the smell was now something that reminded him of a rotting carcass. And then I said, Noah, stop weaving inconsistencies into this story. Stick with one smell, my God. In this part, we have paranormal investigator Jack Kenna, which was too close to Joe Kenda. And Joe Kenda is um, from investigation discovery and he is a homicide guy who worked out of colorado and i kept thinking like jack excuse me jack kenda sorry see i did it jack kenna and joe kenda should have like a tv show together where they investigate paranormal homicides and if that becomes a reality i want some rights to that thank you so he explains that the smell of death is because the soul hasn't crossed over yet and i guess this also is the point where Noah kind of is like, I shouldn't have really made a joke before we went into the room about uh, is the room open because somebody had died here. And part of me is like, well, that's like the joke we always make. I mean, this is horrible to say. Okay. But I feel like I'm in a safe space. <laughs> Whenever we, we ha- were in the ER and we're waiting for rooms to open up. Sometimes when you send people upstairs, you're just like, we'll wait that one out. We'll get a room and they get a celestial discharge. Right. And all of a sudden you have an open room because somebody died. So such is life, I guess. I don't know. I feel like kind of crass saying it, but one of the hospitals I used to work at would play a lullaby for when babies are born and would play chimes for when somebody died. So it was kind of like, if you knew about it, you were like, oh, awesome. Baby was born when there's a lullaby. And then if there were chimes, like some people would, you know, take a second to just like acknowledge like, okay, there was a loss of life and, you know. It's sad, obviously. But then sometimes you'd have a charge nurse that would hear the chimes and be like, all right, we got a room that's about to open up, guys. And you're just like, please don't say that because I know I was thinking it, but you said it. And I just, it makes me feel like a horrible person if you say it out loud. But yeah, so Celestial Discharge just does open up a room. And I guess in a nursing home, I I suppose that's, that's just how it is. Yeah, he said, he said that when they were going to bed, him and his wife, he made a joke like, oh, oh no, he said, 
we went to our room after saying goodnight to grandma and we noticed that the room we were staying in looked just like her room. And I made a joke that maybe this is just a room where another resident was in and they died. And then now he's waking up to like a smell of a rotting carcass. And I think I shouted at the TV. I'm like, yeah, of course that's what this happened. Like, of course that's what's happening. Like there's no hotel room in a nursing home. That's how rooms open up is people die. It just was amazed me how shocked he was. But I just looked this guy up on IMDb and it makes a little more sense. Okay, so he's like kind of a big deal. He is a, a producer, uh, let's see, co-producer on Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away from with Murder. He's part of Shonda Land. He's part of like Shonda Rhimes. Yes, and private practice. So so it's actually not that weird because that stuff's not realistic. So he, even though he is like a writer on a lot of these medical shows, yeah, he clearly doesn't, doesn't, you know, he should be listening to that actress in the OR that's like the one nurse on the cast more. You know what I'm talking about? Wait, what? There's an actress that's actually a nurse? Yeah, the there's a lady in the OR that's like been in every single season. And I don't think she's talked much she usually has a mask over her face she's one of the or nurses and she's an actual nurse her name's Boki. what that's amazing yep she works in la uh and um so she's like an actress and a nurse yeah she actually works in like i think some hospital in la she she works with open heart surgeries that's hilarious that noah writes for shondaland good for you noah and i guess that yeah. that kind of like okay he's a real person uh, clearly that we can look up so so i guess my theory that these are paid actors is kind of thrown out the window, at least in this regard. Although I don't see him credited as oh, doing for this? this episode. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's odd. You would think that he'd be like, I also shared my story. Mm-hmm. But Haunted Hospital just came out this year, didn't it? Like 2018, 2019? Uh, yeah, I think so. At least that's when somebody tweeted at me about it. Yeah, so it's fairly recent. Maybe he needs to update his page. Noah, update your page, bro. Come on now. Um, okay, so going back to Noah, he smells the this rotting carcass and then miraculously is able to go back to sleep for a bit. I don't know about you, but whenever I don't whenever I smell something or if there's something like kind of all on all out assaulting like one of my senses or a few of my senses, I can't go back to getting comfortable until I either remove myself or remove it. So apparently the man can sleep through any sort of smell and he's able to go back to sleep. And then he wakes up with a start and he's looking around the room and he sees a man staring at him standing next to the bed. And this man is dressed in like a red flannel shirt and he has this, this red beard. And Noah is wondering if maybe this is like the son of a resident who still had some sort of key and accidentally got into their room. Apparently he also wakes up his wife at this point and she looks around and is like, what? what's going on? I don't, I don't see anything. And she tries to kind of comfort him as he says, I think I saw a ghost. So she and and Noah both immediately leave from the hospital nursing home, sorry, hotel nursing home, I guess, as it were. (laughs) And they drive like two and a half hours back home. And they mentioned it in the episode that it was two and a half miles or sorry, two and a half hours from grandma's nursing home to to their residence so they immediately drove throughout the night because they were so freaked out and so he calls his grandmother the next day and explains that they had to leave in the middle of the night i don't think he says like because we saw a ghost i think he's just like oh something came up and we we drove home that night and we got an early start 
that's when the grandma's like, well, yeah, they open up rooms whenever residents die because he asked something along those lines. And Gary was the resident in the room where Noah and his wife stayed at the night before who had recently died. And Gary wore plaid and had a red beard when he was younger. And then our friend Jack Kenna reminds us that sometimes spirits are confused and to Gary, Noah being in his bed was confusing to him because this was a strange person in his residence where he left or where, where he lived. And so spirit time and earth time are on two different planes. So each man was kind of looking at the other as a stranger. And that's why he kind of lingered in the room. And that's sort of where the episode, I think, ends is that Noah's just like, yeah, I got kind of spooked by it. And, and I guess he probably doesn't stay in nursing homes uh, on the regular when he's doing shooting for Shondaland. No, clearly not. He, I just found him in a article about him like being a sus, or not a suspect, being a witness to like a shooting. What? In L.A., yeah. This poor guy. He has so many, like, things that he's witnessed. And then, yeah. interesting. Interesting. Noah, you lead a very interesting life. And that's the, that's episode one of Hospital, was it Haunted Hospital? Sorry. What are your thoughts on this? Well, so I think there's, like, eight or nine episodes in the first season. I've watched the first few. And I think at first I was maybe a little disappointed. I was thinking, oh, this isn't what I thought it'd be. And then you just have to, you have to just like go with it. And it's amazing. Like now I think it's hilarious. Yeah. You got to like lean into the ridiculousness. You do. Once yeah, you yeah. don't take it too seriously, it becomes really enjoyable. It's actually very, very, very good um, and very entertaining. And the reenactors do such a great job of trying to like, I don't know, trying to get into these people's head and bring forth what they saw without being too ridiculous but at the end it just looks ridiculous and but but i don't know i mean things happen like we were saying i mean people people die they they die in the hospitals they die in nursing facilities who's to say that spooky stuff doesn't happen yeah and i do like that they have cut in these like paranormal experts i do appreciate that yeah i do that's why i was like you know what i need to at least give these people some credit and and write down their names and try and decipher their accents they comment on stuff that's like you think is ridiculous like i think the layperson i think like that's ridiculous that's not happening and then they just say something that makes it no that's totally normal um that of course there's the angel of death over her and the reason why that happens is because i don't know why they just they, they just are very matter of fact about it and I appreciate that. I did too. I found it just to be pretty enjoyable. I only watched the first episode, but I would highly recommend it if you're into maybe a little bit more visual storytelling about ho hospital hauntings. So I kind of had to stop this editing and end this episode abruptly because I wanted to make it into a main episode, which is this part that you're listening to. And then there's a little bit more bonus material that I'll actually be releasing later in the week between myself and uh, only in the ICU where we talk a little bit more about specific hospital hauntings and spookiness that has happened in various different settings and it's really really creepy so if you like what you're hearing this week later on this week you'll get a little bit more of that sort of haunting in the hospitals storytelling which will be the continuation of the discussion that I had with her and it's definitely one of those episodes where 
you don't want to listen to in the dark unless you are a glutton for punishment uh, about spooky things, then by all means go for it. But it gave me a little bit of nervousness and some goosebumps at some time. So I hope you guys enjoyed this little diversion of sorts, a uh, bit of a recap episode. Go watch the first episode, at least, of Haunted Hospitals. It's pretty hilarious. If you are interested in knowing more about the Haunted Hospitals Twitter thread that Only in the ICU has put together, definitely we'll get some links to that, especially with the bonus material that'll be released a little later this week. I hope that you guys are enjoying October. You're getting everything pumpkin spiced. I know that I converted over to drinking some pumpkin spice beverages as of late that aren't horrible. Shout out to Trader Joe's on that one. And again, believe in the good, practice random acts of kindness, and make sure to try and avoid getting caught out in the dark.